Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. I want to start with a little story and, uh, and if there's any children in here, uh, you might want to cover their ears. This is uh, some of my misspent youth. I'm just going to unpack a little bit. This is not good behavior, but it's truth. Uh, so when I was um, at school, at secondary school, I used to catch the bus to and from school. And, uh, and, uh, and I was on the bus one day coming home from school, and there was a girl sitting in front of me, and this was the 90s. So this was the big hair, and the big hair required hairspray. In fact, it was dangerous if you ever went near a girl's bathroom in school in the 90s because clouds of hairspray would just be coming out of the door open. Clouds of hairspray would come out. It could take you out. It was so powerful. And so a girl was in front of me on the school bus. I, got, I think we've got a picture of some kind of 90s hair that might come up. And uh, so there's a girl. Okay, we don't, but you can imagine it. Anybody here from the 90s remember the big hair of the 90s? Oh, come on, come on. George, stop lying, George. Amber, Amber, oh, okay, no, okay, all right, all right. We're talking, we're talking 90, 90, 91, 92, that kind of time. Anyway, so the girl in front of the school bus, and she sprays her hair, shh, like this with hairspray. As she does, I'm behind her, and I flick a lighter. And there's just like a flame goes like, shh. Now, she was okay. No one was injured in this horrific moment. But some split ends were singed. And, and, and a little bit of the jumper may have also been burnt. So I said, oh, I'm so sorry, so sorry. It was an accident. Anyway, next day, oh, I get off the school. I'm on a roll this day because I get off the school bus. And as I get off the school bus, I pull out a pen and I do a graffiti tag on the side of the bus. Anyway, then I go, go home. Next day I come to school and I get asked to come to the principal's office. Oh, sorry, vice principal's office. So I go to his office and I'm thinking, what could this be about? Because there's many things it could be about. <laughs> I'm thinking, what could this be about? What could... Anyway, he says, I heard about a serious incident taking place on the school bus last night. And he told me about the girl's hair getting slightly singed and her jumper, blah, blah, blah. And he said, and he said was it you? And I, I thought, there's just no way out of this one. So I, I owned it. I said, look, it was me. I'm so sorry. It was an accident. I tried, you know, it wasn't true. But, I, you know, I, I tried to do the best to paint a relatively good picture. You know, so, and he said, look, you need to play a dry cleaning bill and you need to do a few things. I said, absolutely sure. I'm so, so sorry. He said, the other thing is, somebody graffitied the side of the school bus. Was it you? I said, absolutely not. I said, look, I said, look, you know I'm honest because I owned it straight away with the girl's hair. I said, but this, honestly, this was not me. You know? And he's like, okay, okay. He goes, well, look, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the lunch break to go and find who did do it. And if you can bring them to me, then you're gonna, you'll, get, you'll be okay. So I was like, yeah, absolutely, no problem. <laughs> so I'll go out to the school break, pace around for an hour, sweating and stressing, you know, Came back and I uh, said, oh, look, I'm so sorry. I just can't get the person who did it to fess up. And, you know, I just can't. And he goes, well, look, you told the truth about the, the hairspray. And all that, so we're going to let you go, you know. And, uh, and the moral of this story is it's good to lie. No, 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 no. What, the point of it is this. There's nothing worse than when you're called out and you know you're in the wrong. There's nothing worse than when you're called out and you know you're in the wrong. Since then, I've learned it's much better to own your wrongs 
just own them, take them, own it, you know. But back then there was, you know, pre-Jesus people, pre-Jesus, don't judge me. And, uh, you know, it, but there's nothing worse than when you're kind of called out, you know, and you, oh, it hits you, the reality of what you did. You know, and I was thinking about that concept of, of when, when you feel shame or when you're called out for something that you've done. And, and I was thinking about that in my life, everything that God's called me to, the biggest barrier to that has never been external. The biggest barrier to fulfilling what God has called me to has always been internal. It's always been internal because the devil is an absolute master at calling you out, of, of whispering into your mind the wrong things that you've done, the wrong things that you've thought, the dumb things that you've said. You know, and I, will, I find that, the, that if I'm given any space, the devil will start to replay to me my wrongs. You know, I, I used to catch public transport a lot as a new Christian before I drove. And uh, I would find I'd just be looking out the window daydreaming and embarrassing things are done and I have many of them. There's one I've just shared with you or two I've just shared with you. You know, would start to play in my mind. No reason. There was no trigger. There was nothing. They would just start to automatically play in my mind. And you know, the other thing that the devil loves to do is he loves to even try to put on you things you didn't even do. So he loves to exaggerate. So give you an example. If you tell a lie, he'll say you're a liar. No, you're not. You told a lie. Most of the time you tell the truth. But he says you're a liar. You know, if you steal something, you know, he'll say you're a thief. I stole something once or twice in my whole life. Most of the time I didn't steal. You know, no, you're a thief. The, the devil loves to put labels on us. And so I think the biggest barrier, the biggest opposition to what God wants to do in us is not external, but it's internal. The internal is really where the battle takes place. And Izzy spoke a fantastic message about this on Friday night. And as I was preparing this message, and I heard Izzy's message Friday night. It was a real confirmation to me. Wow, God, this is what God wants to say. Because Izzy spoke about this Friday. So if you weren't here Friday, I really encourage you to get that podcast. Because that's going to back up and reinforce what I'm sharing with you this morning. I want to read you from the book of Zechariah in the Bible. Zechariah is a prophet. He has a vision about someone called Joshua. And Joshua has a real call of God on his life. He's, called, he's the high priest. He's called to really minister and take responsibility for God's people. Now, And all of us have some responsibility in the kingdom to take care of God's people, right? So all of us here have a calling. There's, in the New Testament, there's the priesthood of all believers. There's no longer a high priest. Jesus is our high priest, right? We now, all of us are priests. All of us are ministers. So all of us have a role to play and so we can look at what Joshua navigated and actually apply it to us because all of us are called to minister and as he was stepping out for God an attack comes to him not externally but internally listen to this is Zechariah 3 1 to 7 then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. It's not, is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. 
The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. So the high priest, I mean, that's a pretty cool calling, right? So he's absolutely called by God, anointed by God. God wants to use him. And it's so interesting that as he's stepping into that place of ministry, stepping into that place of responsibility in the kingdom of God, that Satan is right at his right hand side, it says, ready to accuse him. And sometimes it feels like that. You know, the devil is right next to you looking to accuse you. And really what he's saying is this, you're unworthy to be used by God. That's, that's the crux of what he's trying to say. He's trying to undermine Joshua's confidence, undermine the truth that God wants to use Joshua in his state. God knows the exact condition of Joshua. It's not like God doesn't know the condition of him, right? But the devil wants to say to him, hey, you're not fit to be used by God. You're not worthy to be used by God. You're not ready yet to be used by God. You're too past it to be used by God. You've done too many wrong things to be used by God. And so the devil is at his right-hand side, it says, accusing him. Accusing him. But I love it that Jesus is defending him. I love it. Jesus is defending him. Because Jesus in this text is described as an angel of the Lord. And what this is, this is what's called a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. So check this. In the, we know that Jesus gets born of Mary, comes to earth, lives a life, dies for the sins of the world, right? Jesus incarnate, Jesus becoming flesh, Jesus manifesting as a person, right? But before that, Jesus always existed. He always had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But in, in this time, people didn't know that. They did not understand that there was a Son of God. They did not understand there was a Trinity. There's three persons in the Godhead. That hadn't yet been fully revealed to these people. And yet Jesus already is rocking up. For someone who doesn't even know who he is, someone who doesn't even know what he's going to do for him, he, you know, Joshua doesn't even know Jesus is going to pay the, sins, pay the price for all his sins, right? And yet Jesus is already rocking up for him to represent him. And so that's what's happening in this text. It's like the courtroom of heaven. The devil is accusing and Jesus is defending. You know, that's what's taking place. And Satan is ready to unleash the litany of offences committed against the law of God. So here's the deal. Here's where the devil gets you. He calls you on stuff that is wrong. He calls you on stuff that doesn't please God. That's what he calls you on. So there's truth in, in what he says. And that's why I think it has power and hold upon us, right? So he's like, you lied, you stole, and you, you're a hypocrite. You know, he says, you, you've been selfish. Hey, you, you know, you've committed adultery. You look to that woman, Jesus says, that's committing adultery in your heart. You know, there's all kinds of things the devil will call us out on. And there's all kinds of things that the devil is calling Joshua out on. And we've all got stuff. Here's the deal. Every person, every leader, every believer, every person has got stuff that the devil can call you out on. Even if you haven't done something this week, you probably did something last week. If you didn't do something last week, you're probably going to do something next week. Hear what I'm saying? The devil's got stuff on all of us, on all of us. And the devil is such an exaggerator, such an exaggerator, you know. I, I, you know, I, I never hear the devil say to me, you told a lie. No, I hear the devil say to me, you're a liar. You know, all the time you're a hypocrite. You know, you're a mistake. You know, you make a mistake, the devil says you're always wrong. You're always wrong. <laughs> you know, you make a stupid comment, the devil's like, you're stupid. And sometimes we even say it, verbalize it. 
So sometimes even think, oh, I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. Actually speaking in line with what the devil's whispering to us instead of speaking against it, right? You know, someone rejects us and we say, no one likes me. I don't belong here. I don't fit here. And the devil, he loves to exaggerate. He loves to exaggerate. There's power in his exaggeration. Listen, the devil is the accuser of the brethren, says in the Bible, meaning the accuser of believers. So if you're a believer, you're going to be accused by the devil. That goes with the territory. The minute you come into the kingdom of God, the devil is going to be accusing you, speaking to you. But listen to this. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. I love this. Revelation 12, 10. This accuser will be cast down. I love it. So ultimately, his, his accusations are going to stop. But they just haven't stopped yet. It talks about that in the end times when Jesus wraps up this world, takes everyone who's in Christ into eternity, into the new heaven, the new earth, right? It says that at that time, the devil's accusations will be cast down forever. There'll be no more accuser. But in this time, in the in-between season, we need to navigate some of his criticisms. You know, I love it. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions, talking about Jesus. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace and by his wounds we are healed. Man, why is it that we can say, hey devil, you've got nothing on me. That's why. That's why. Not that I haven't done anything wrong. Not that I haven't done anything wrong, but that Jesus paid the price for it. Hear what I'm saying? He himself, it says in 1 Peter 2, 4, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we are healed. Wow. Wow. Jesus wore the crown. You know the crown of thorns that was pushed into his head? That's the crown of our wrongs. That's the appropriate crown, right? It's put on him. He wore our sins. All our wrongs were placed on him. He took it all. He took it all. Death couldn't hold him. You know, our shame, our guilt, our pain, our sorrow, our trauma, our sickness and disease, mental, physical, spiritual, was placed on him, it says, at the cross. Everything was placed on him at the cross. So we need to stop putting the crown of shame on our head. It's already been put on Jesus. It's already, we need to stop taking it off Jesus and putting it on us. You know, we need to stop climbing on the cross of guilt and understand that Jesus went to the cross for me. He's done it all. He's done it all. You know, we need to stop it. We need to stop punishing ourselves. We need to stop beating ourselves up. We need to stop mocking ourselves. You know, we need, we need to not mock ourselves. He was mocked for us. He was mocked for us. Don't beat yourself up. He was beaten for you. Come on. Stop swearing at yourself. He was sworn out for you. There's people here, you swear at yourself. You get angry, you make a mistake, you swear at yourself. I've done it many times, right? You swear over yourself. No, Jesus was sworn out for you. Jesus was sworn out for you. Sin and shame could not hold him. Sin and shame cannot hold us. Come on, do you believe it? And just maybe, just maybe you're holding yourself to a higher standard than Jesus does. Maybe. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16 says this, Now that we know 
what we have. Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. I love it. It's saying that Jesus is a high priest who sympathizes with our weakness. Listen to that. He sympathizes. So when you hear the devil going, you're worthless, you're this, you're that, you've got to understand that has got nothing to do with God. Nothing to do. It's the opposite of what God says. Here's what God says. I get it. I understand. That's why I went to the cross. I know you cannot do it. I know that you're incapable in your own strength of living right. So I died for you so that through me righteousness might be imparted to you. I love it. It's the love. Come on. Come on. It's the love of God that draws us to repentance, isn't it? It's the love of God. It's not, oh, I've got to do better. Oh, why have I fallen short? Oh, God, help me not do it again. No, no, that doesn't draw you to God. That does not change you. It's no, man, I'm forgiven. Man, I'm free. I don't deserve it. It doesn't make sense. But I'm going to walk boldly and confidently because of what he's done. That's what changes you. That's what changes you. I love it that when Satan accuses Joshua, Joshua doesn't reply. He lets Jesus reply. I love this. I love this. When Satan speaks, Joshua does not defend himself. Doesn't start like me with the, with the vice principal, start making excuses, justifying, arguing. Joshua doesn't do any of that. He remains silent and he allows Jesus to speak for him. When Satan attacks our minds, we need to not argue with our words, but with God's word. With God's word. You know, it says this, listen to what Jesus says. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? I love that. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, everyone's done a lot of wrong. Everyone has fallen short of the standard of God. Everyone ultimately deserves a separation from God. And that's the reference to a burning stick. It's talking about like hell, right? So he's saying ultimately everyone deserves to go there. Yeah, but listen, I've snatched him from the fire. I've snatched that burning stick from the fire. And now that burning stick is going to do something great for me. And so all of us are like that. All of us are in that category. All of us were just snatched, just in time from the fire. I don't care if you were born, grew up a Christian, you can't remember when you put your faith in Jesus, or you've had the worst life as an abusive addict or whatever you've done, right? No matter what, you've been snatched from the fire like a stick. Come on, come on. You've been snatched from the fire like a stick. And so Jesus is reminding Satan, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. All of that's true. That's what I love. Jesus doesn't deny it. Yeah, that's true. And I've snatched him from that fire. Come on. I've taken that upon me. Hey, you don't need to worry about Joshua. Deal with me. I love that. When, when, when Satan's accusing us, we need to step back and go, Jesus? <laughs> this ain't, there's nothing to do with me. I'm stepping out of this. Jesus? And Jesus will come between you and the devil. Come on. He'll come between you and the devil. I love it. Jesus comes between you and God. You know that this head priest is the mediator, right? So here's what it's saying. When God looks at us, he doesn't see your wrongs because he sees you through the lens of Jesus. When, he, when God looks to you, the holiness of the Father looks upon you, right? What does he see? The righteousness of Jesus. And he better because if he doesn't see that, no one can stand. No one can stand in the holiness of God unless they are pure and holy. And the only way you can be that is through Christ. 
And so I love it. He stands between us and God, he's the media, and he stands between us and the devil, the accuser, you know? And so when the devil is speaking, we need to not reply with our words, but we need to reply with the word of God. So when the devil starts to speak critically, we need to say things like this. We need to say, I am forgiven. Hopefully they're going to bring up some scriptures that back up these statements, but if they can't, all good. So I am forgiven, Ephesians 1.7. I am loved. Come on. I am loved, Ephesians 2.4-5. I am a masterpiece. Get a hold of that. You are a masterpiece. The devil ever wants to tell you, you don't look right, you don't sound right, you, you aren't right, there's something wrong with you. Rubbish, rubbish. The Word of God says you're a masterpiece. When God says you'll never change, you need to, when the devil says you'll never change, you need to say, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. When, when God wants to, sorry, when the devil wants to say to you, that you've fallen short, you need to say, I'm holy. Oh, I love that. I am holy. Wow, that's, that's even hard to say. Right? I am holy. Because I think that, no, no, the Bible says it. Ephesians 1.4 says that, right? When God's saying you, you don't belong, you need to say, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God, right? When, when you need to say, I'm chosen. I am chosen. I am pure. Oh, how about that? I am. I just looked at something, and I am pure. Uh, but you just, but I just, you mean, but I'm pure because of Christ. I am blameless. Wow. Jude one twenty four says you're blameless. Blameless. Wow. It's out there, right? It's it's crazy. Remember when Jesus was tempted by the devil? So this is Jesus being tempted. He never argued with the devil. He said, "But the word of God says." So when Jesus was attacked by the devil, he went to the Word of God. So when you and I are attacked by the devil, we need to go to the Word of God. We need to not start arguing, debating, justifying, reasoning, trying to explain our way out of it, talk our way out of it. Positive self-talk ain't going to cut it. You need the Word of God that rebukes what the devil is saying. The devil loves to say, you can't be used by God. You're not fit to be used by God. But God says, no, 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 you're snatched from the fire. All your sins are forgiven. You're righteous, pure, holy, blameless to be used by me. I love it. I love it. And here's what we're saying in that. We're not saying, hey, it's okay to continually just do wrong things. We're not saying that. The Bible's very clear on that. Should we sin more so grace may abound? Paul says, by no means. So we're not talking about willful disobedience. We're talking about things that you're doing that you don't want to do, that you're trying your best in your own strength not to do, right? But you're needing the grace of God to help you do what you cannot do for yourself. That's what we're talking about. I love it next. It, it talks about how, how Jesus takes away his filthy clothes and gives him new clothes. Listen to this. Now, Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I've taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you. Wow. So Jesus takes these dirty clothes off of him, and he puts upon him these new clothes. What's happening there? It's, a, it's an external picture of an internal condition. It's an external picture of an internal. He's saying, hey, you feel dirty. Hey, you feel not right. You feel, I don't feel right and comfortable. He's saying, hey, 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 I'm taking that off. I'm going to put something on you. You're going to feel great. 
You're going to feel great. I love it. It's like, you know, it's like a, a homeless beggar coming in in rags. You know, they can barely cover their body. They're brought into somewhere and they're made a tailor-made outfit that just is perfect for them. Just perfect for them. You know, washed, styled, clothed. You know, they walk in in shame and they walk out in dignity. You walk in in shame, but you walk out in dignity. God wants to do that, but on the inside. But on the inside. It's a picture of what he wants to do on the inside. He wants all that internal shame, guilt, fear, anxiety to be put upon him. That we might receive from him courage, hope, faith, forgiveness, grace. And if we truly understand this, if we really get a hold of this, man, you're going to be dangerous for God. Because the enemy's lies are going to bounce off of you as you understand who you are in Christ. As you get a hold of who you really are, the devil's accusations are not going to have weight and power. They're not going to be able to get a hold of you because you're going to know who you are in God. Do you believe it? Yes. Hmm. I love it just finally. It'd be great if the band could come out. I love this, 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 this final part of the passage. It says this. Then I said, this is Jesus speaking, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you a place among these standing here. This turban was, was something that the high priest wore. It was like a head dressing that the high priest wore. And on the front of it was a plaque. It was, a, it was like a metal plaque. And the metal plaque was a symbol of, hey, God is with him. Hey, this is the position and the authority that he's been given. It was like a statement of, oh, okay, God's call and anointing is upon this individual. I want to ask you, when Christ forgives you and wipes away all your sins and all your mistakes, and when He puts a turban on your head and puts a plaque on it, what does yours say? What does yours say? So for Him, it said, High Priest, represent, hey, this is who I'm called, this is what I'm called to be and called to do in God. What does yours say? What does yours say? If you were fully liberated from Christ, really understood, man, I'm set free, I'm forgiven, God's with me, I'm anointed, I'm called, what would yours say? Would it say, Encourager? Would it say teacher? Would it say mentor, counsellor? Would it say worshipper? Would it say evangelist? Man, you're always bringing people to church. Would it say kids leader or youth leader? Would it have leadership on it? Would it be governmental? Would it be creative? What would it say? What does it say on the plaque that God's put on your head? What are you called to do and to bring? That if you could get past the internal dialogue you could push through the lies of the enemy, what would it be that God's placed upon your life? Come on, what would it be that God's placed upon your life? The biggest barrier to you and I fulfilling what God's called us to is what happens internally. It's never what happens externally. It's an internal battle. It has ramifications externally, but it's an internal battle. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. 
If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.